Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm joined by Chris Walder, the host of Walder Sportscast, and my colleague now at Raptors Republic. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for for taking the time and doing this. Uh, you know, I I was on your show, I think what like a month ago, and I had a blast. So I thought I'd have to return the favor for you. So uh, my my whole goal here is to to have a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time and coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. Really do appreciate it. Uh, you're right. I just had you on the Walder Sportscast not too long ago to talk about some Canada basketball. It was a really good time, and we've been communicating in the Twitter DMs ever since. Uh, so, yeah, the pleasure is all mine, man. Uh, it's weird being on this side of the podcast, being the guest instead of the interviewer. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I still haven't adjusted to it, so I hope I do okay on your show. We'll give you a 10-minute grace period and go. No, I <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, no, I, uh, it is definitely weird. Someone, you know, when I was, uh, in, uh, covering Canada basketball, being interviewed after doing this podcast for so long, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely weird to be on the other side. So we'll, we'll make this more co- conversational and, and, uh, a fun time, but Chris, you know, like you're, you're such a good writer and, and your show's really good. And I, I like where you kind of go with things, but just talk about your love of, you know, sports, sports writing, I guess, podcasting, just tell us maybe the origin story a little bit for you. Yeah, I was a stubborn kid when it came to sports. I I was never much of an athlete. I tried to be to impress people when I was like in high school and middle school to join the cool kids club. Like I would play, you know, rec league soccer and I would try out for the basketball team and what have you. But my passion was just like watching sports and talking about sports and my my mom and dad always said like you know it, it's kind of, it reminds me of the, like this this Robin Williams speech when he won uh, best supporting actor at the Oscars he's like sure you can get into acting and be a comedian but make sure you have like a fallback f- plan like welding mm-hmm. or something like that like a tangible thing that you can do for the rest of your life but I was never good with my hands I always thought like I had a knack for for speaking and public speaking at least in my own head I don't know if that's actually the case but I, I, I <laughs> well thank you I appreciate it um, but I, I just wanted to be involved in sports in some way shape or form so it kind of just kind of give you the short form like it started in high school I ended up staying a fifth year at uh, Woburn Collegiate in Scarborough not because I had to it's because I didn't know what I wanted to do in college and my co-op teacher at the time was like hey like I still have a connection with the Toronto Raptors uh, we had one of our kids work there uh, not too long ago would you be interested in an interview and I was like yeah are you kidding me I'm like a massive basketball fan this would be like a dream come true so, you know, I got the interview. I, I worked game operations like my inaugural year. I was I was rolling T-shirts. I kind of learned the ins and outs of what goes on during a game. And I ended up staying there for like six years because they, they dug my work. I was working with the mascot. I was going on the court and doing like, you know, skits with him. And That's as awesome. someone who grew up watching the team, like this was like the coolest gig ever. And correlating that into like you know wanting to be a sports writer wanting to be in media ending up working for the likes of like Bleacher Report and and Raptors HQ and eventually the score where I was there the longest like it's been kind of a weird path to get to where I was and I may not be as intertwined into sports media as I would like to be at this point in my life but at the same time I've done so much and experienced so much to, to last a lifetime that I'm just very grateful and I, I remain passionate about sports and talking about sports to this day. What what kind of what memories stand out for you in terms of your path, your journey? What what comes to mind? Well, it was a hard road. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It was a lot of 
sleepless nights. It was a lot of not making money. It was a lot of kind of, you know, being perfectly frank, like a lot of depression and like having to go to therapy and kind of questioning whether or not this was something that I I really thought I could do. And if I, if I did think I was good enough, whether or not there was an opportunity out there for me, but something that my family kind of noticed is that you like the harder you grind, someone is going to eventually notice your work. And sometimes I would be overzealous on Twitter and, and just like tweeting about literally everything almost to the point of annoyance for people who would follow me. But at the same time, I thought this is the, like my ticket to get in. Like someone will see like the occasional tweet or piece that I write and and this will help me get to where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And just the feeling of, you know, getting those gigs at, at Bleacher Report, ending up getting an interview with the score after applying like six or seven times and knowing that I was one of probably like hundreds of people who were probably bending over backwards to try and even just get in the door and get an interview. And for me to end up getting it and, and covering the NBA for four years for that company and and writing about basketball and like that was my job, like yeah. getting paid to do this and getting health benefits like this is I didn't think this was possible. So it, it the journey had its ups and downs like again it, it was more hard than i thought it was going to be but at the same time just getting to that end destination and experiencing the things that i did like i, I wouldn't trade it for anything yeah you know of course what, what was it like being around like nba players and the the raptors and like in more of a media role what was that like for you chris I, I well, I wish I would have done more media stuff back in the day. It, it's not right. something that I necessarily experienced too often, just because you know they they, they had their guys that would go to the games and yeah. have the media credentials and whatnot. Like I, at the very least, I got to experience just being around the players in like a game operations capacity. Like I remember the first time, just like walking back in Scotiabank Arena and seeing like Yao Ming and his mom <laughs> and dad, who are both super tall, and yeah. I, I'm like, yep, that's definitely like his family, or like walking. Yeah into like I, I bumped into Sha- like literally bumped into Shaquille O'Neal and I could have just been sent flying back like the most <laughs> massive human being I've ever seen in my life and just like the little things where like before games I would you, you know when the Raptors would like go onto the court and they would start like throwing miniature balls into the yep. stands or whatnot I was the guy who was handing them off and throwing to throwing <laughs> to them to them when yep. they were coming out the tunnel and I just thought like little things like that, like holding the flag. Like I was like, you know, the T and Raptors, like I was just running around <laughs> doing laps pregame. And I was like, this is the, this is the best thing ever. And, you know, hopefully down the road, there will be opportunities for me to cover the Raptors in more of like a media capacity. Like I'm, I'm still having a blast being on social media and, and, and just tweeting about, about games and not worrying too much about like what a potential uh, employer might think about what I'm saying, yeah. but I do, I do try to keep it clean. But again, being able to do that down the road hopefully uh the chance will come and i i can you know experience that firsthand more so than i have in the past well uh you know our our the business is is very fickle as you very much know but uh uh i i don't think in terms of talent or or work ethic it's it's definitely um definitely not anything about you and i you know i hope that Raptors Republic is kind of a little launching pad for you um, as it is for has been for so many, including myself. Um, although I think I'm really on the pad. I'm not launching, but uh, uh, I, I, I really uh, am excited to kind of read your stuff. And and I want to talk to you a bit about your writing and, and podcasting. Like, what would you say your process is for obviously very different things, but for writing, what do you enjoy about it? And, and what's maybe your process for, uh, writing, especially about, uh, you know, basketball. 
Yeah, like when I write about basketball, like I I know what my strengths and weaknesses are as a writer. I've never been much of an X's and O's guy. Like I used to read a lot of Raptors Republic and still do to this day. And again, it's kind of, it's like a real thrill for me to be able to be a part of the team, a small part of a very great and diverse team. But again, like I, I've never been more of so like the nuances, like the ins and outs of the sport itself. I've just been kind of like, you know, the fans sitting back and, and watching and digesting the sport as is. Like I'm never going to be confused for like a William Lou or a, a Samson folk in terms of like the the like the deep cuts about basketball. I try to put a more fun and positive spin on it. I'd like to have like more social aspects like for example, when I was at the score, like stat posts, like were my big thing, like I yeah. would be like, Hey, like, you know, someone passed Carmelo Anthony on the all time free throws made list. or it was like 35 or 36 overall, but like just the names of, of the players and like bringing back nostalgia for basketball fans. That's what I was all about. And I, I still kind of do that to this day with my Scotty Barnes posts and like Toronto Raptors posts where I'm like, he moved Wait, past I this guy. <laughs> I need to wait. Did he block you? Is that is that confirmed? Is that did yeah? That... He did. Yeah, he did block me on Twitter. Um, I would tweet at him like maybe once a month, being like, "Hey, come on my podcast." Like you know, just like because yeah, I, I had no idea how else to get in touch with this guy. Um, and then I think the last time I did it maybe was too much for him. Again, I I don't take it personally. It, I the only reason I mentioned it in the first place was because of people kind of know me on twitter as like the scott scotty barnes fanatic and doing all of yeah, those yeah, posts. yeah i was like wow the irony <laughs> like this guy actually blocked me on twitter but again like it's fine it's it just is what it is but i it, like writing i i love doing posts like that and like with my podcast and you know this because yeah. you were one of my guests like I, I don't like talking about you know too much about like stuff that may go over people's heads about basketball i just like having like a back and forth conversation and just like asking you questions about you like yeah. you can talk to on twitter or whatever your own show about basketball or any sport you like but like i want to know more about alex adams i want to know more about the blake murphys and william Lewis of the world and that's kind of like the rapport i like having with my guests yeah, no, I definitely try to have that uh, a little bit on this show. Um, you know, I I like the process. I like who they are as well. So, I'm not saying our shows are the same because they very much are are different. But I <laughs> I'm think... just a rip off of yours. Like, let's be honest. No, no, like, no. I'm just I think yours has been around for much longer than mine. So I think I'm technically ripping off you. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's like it's like those musicians who don't know each other and then they figure out their songs sound the same and then they're like upset <laughs> at each other in this case we're not upset but uh yeah we uh you know we emulate each other in in, in many ways it's but... overlap yeah it's basically just a mirror image but again like that's podcasts in general like a lot of people just kind of have similar formats it doesn't mean anyone's copying each other it's, yeah, it's always yeah, trying yeah. to be about sticking out it's always about the host alex <laughs> thank thanks for setting me up there uh yeah no we're <laughs> about the host on this show I, I will tell you that but uh i i wanna is there anything from podcasting like just on your show um you you've had some cool kind of guests some cool stories talk, maybe talk a bit about that and, and you know you, you've explained why you like it to be more fun and not x's and o's but just talk about the process for you um in your podcast 
Well, even to this day, I always get nervous asking people to come on my podcast. Like even if it's people that have followed on social media for years and years, and we do have kind of that online rapport, I still get like sweats. Like I I deal with anxiety on a regular Mm -hmm. basis. I, I always try to find ways to kind of handle it. But even sending someone a DM and being like, hey, like I have this show, the Walter Sports cast, would you like to do it? Are you interested? And sometimes I'll send out emails like some of like the more uh, like the bigger name guests that Raptors fans would, you know, correlate would be like a Jack Armstrong or former yeah. announcer Chuck Swirsky or even, you know, mm-hmm. current, you know, play by play guy and, and former Raptor Alvin Williams. Like I would send emails and say like, hey, can I gauge your interest? Would you like to do it? And sometimes it takes a few days or a weeks to hear a response and i'm just like ah maybe i'm not uh like important enough or maybe they're too busy or like you know i have that self-doubt but once i get the guest on it's you know once the nerves kind of subside and you start getting into like an actual conversation with people it's just like the best thrill as a podcaster and like hearing afterwards like you know getting positive feedback and positive reformation just being like hey like i really enjoyed my time on your show if you ever need help getting another guest or whatnot like please let me know i would love to like hook you up with some with some names and i just talking to the likes of jack and and chuck and alvin and other names just like people i wouldn't like yourself for example i don't know when our paths would have crossed unless i like had you on my podcast like it's just the coolest feeling like just learning about people and having those deep conversations yeah no those are some pretty cool names and i mean considering you've uh uh, you know followed the raptors for a long time those are some (laughs) pretty heavy hits (laughs) um i want to ask you about the raptors uh because obviously you're you're going to be covering them but um what what do you make of this it's seemingly half a uh, new half old era of the Raptors with a new coach and Darko Ryakovic. Um, obviously, uh, you know, there's no Fred Van Vliet. Like what should the expectations be for this team in your mind? Uh, Chris, I, I think the expectations are kind of similar to what they were last year. Like don't go overboard in terms of thinking this team is an elite contender in the Eastern conference. I think with the way moves have kind of unfolded this summer, Milwaukee and Boston are are leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else. And then there's like this second tier of maybe like the Philadelphia 76ers, if they can figure out the Harden situation, maybe the Cleveland Cavaliers as well. I think the Raptors are still kind of in that play in realm, maybe getting like the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference, best case scenario. But I think, you know, whether they want to admit it or not, this team is technically kind of rebuilding, retooling. Like there's a reason why Pascal Siakam is not locked into an extension as of yet. OG Ananobi can still walk this summer like he's not signed either. And there's a lot of emphasis not on just the new head coach, Darko Rakovic, but, you know, the evolution and development of Scotty Barnes. Like this team is banking on him taking that next step, hopefully, you know, making all-star potential, maybe not this upcoming season, but down the road. I think the Raptors in general this year, you know, if they play their cards right, they can still get back to that play-in tournament. Obviously, it didn't work well last time uh, losing to the Chicago Bulls in the fashion that they did. But at the same time, I think the Raptors are still going to be a competitive bunch. We've seen glimpses of kind of like the new style of play, like moving the basketball, less isolation in the preseason Mind you, it's only been a handful of games, and one of them was against an Australian team that was not much of a game at all. 
But I, I again, I, I always try to put an optimistic and positive spin on the Raptors. I think there are going to be some growing pains. I think the depth is still kind of in question, especially if we start missing some guys. We've, we haven't seen much of, you know, a Coloco or, or a Precious Achua. They've been hurt during the preseason. Let's see how they kind of integrate themselves as well. I'm just excited to see how this team, you know, the on-court product develops. I think last season it was, you know, more missed than hit, especially with Fred Van Vliet in the fold. Now we have the FIBA World Cup MVP and Dennis Schroeder yeah. running the charge here. So, yeah, again, I'm excited, but I'm not. I'm tempering my expectations, Alex. Should should Raptors fans just be excited for the vibes? Because the vibes seem way <laughs> preseason. Uh, it is preseason, but it, it feels like a you know everyone's spirits are lifted. Um, everyone's happy. Scotty has a smile on his face, unlike maybe last year, but more similar to his first year and, and winning rookie of the year so just like what, what how do you you know it's not about x's and o's it's all about vibes so t- tell us yeah. how you feel about this team just in terms of how exciting they might be to to watch even if the results are as you said probably close to similar to last year I mean, the vibes are strong, at least now. I mean, winning helps a lot. Again, it's the preseason. Let's see how this team kind of, you know, how this correlates when the games actually start to matter. But I think in in sports, in life, in the NBA, I think change is necessary. I think change can be a welcome thing. And I think the Nick Nurse-led regime had kind of run its course with the Toronto Raptors, I think, you know, on court issues aside, I think behind the scenes, at least kind of what we're from, what we're hearing online yeah. is that there, there was some problems in terms of the chemistry between coach and player. Um, we saw kind of Nick nurse run a lot of his stars into the ground, whether or not he was confident enough to, to give his bench guys a little bit more wiggle room, you know, let the, let them off the leash, if you will, and, and let them just make mistakes out there. He wasn't the kind of head coach that was doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that Darko will, will kind of allow, Allow more mistakes to happen, especially considering the expectations may not be there. I don't think, you know, if they make the playoffs, if they make the play in great, I just think it's about the development of a Scotty Barnes, maybe giving Malachi Flynn more leeway, Precious Achua, see what he can bring the, to the table um, with another full season with the Toronto Raptors. But in, and rookie Grady Dick, you know, will he be a rotation guy? The Raptors need shooting. And that was kind of his bread and butter coming out of college. So right now, I think the vibes, like you said, are very strong once the game's you know, if they if they go on a losing streak, how will they adapt? How will they retaliate? Will that change the mood of the team and especially the online discourse? That does remain to be seen. Uh, I just want Dick to pop off. Sorry. Oh say. man, the Dick <laughs> puns will be strong this year, my friend. Oh man, Look, I, I've th- already started googling it. Like, it, I, I'm trying to come up with puns I, that aren't too dirty. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I was watching the draft and they picked Dick. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um. And I think my Twitter blew up and I was like breaking it by my laughter that was like breaking my Twitter app because it was just incredible meme after incredible meme. Um, I think I watched his TikTok dances for like a day after. So um, and I've I've kind of like what I've seen. And I I think longer term, he's going to be a long, you know, NBA player. I think his his floor is quite high. His ceiling. Well, we shall see. But um. Just with Scotty, because I, I want to go to, you know, obviously he's in a way the face of the franchise. You could argue maybe Siakam, but um, in a lot of ways, he's the face, at least of the future. Um, he's looked really good in preseason, again, preseason, but he's talked about being in better shape. He looks in better shape. He seems much more assertive, more consistent, which was really a problem with his game, even in his rookie year, but especially last year where he'd 
always play well in the fourth quarter and uh you know tim tebowing it uh, a little bit out there uh shout out to to him but how do you feel about Scott Scotty going into his third year and what do you think he can maybe improve on uh, going into the season? Well, I think now he has more of a defined role. I think part of the problem last season was that with the exception of Pascal Siakam, who you know is your number one guy, I think everyone else after that, the pecking order was constantly changing and fluctuating. Like Scotty Barnes didn't know if he was going to be like the number two option on any given night or if he was going to like drop back to like number five because Fred's in the picture. OG needs his looks as well. Gary Trent Jr., you know, he can score with the best of them. Scotty didn't necessarily know where he fit with this team, but I think now with the with the offseason changes fred's no longer in the picture i think they're just going to strap the rocket to to scotty barnes and try and put him in the best situation to succeed and again we don't know like if, if things if you know if poop hits the fan and the raptors are you know under 500 come the all-star break will siakam still be here and then at that point scotty barnes you are the de facto number one guy on this team like how far can you take them I think his game is ever developing. I think, you know, like in the preseason, he's shown glimpses of like being like that point center, if you will. Like he can go through one through five, defend one through five, lead this team in transition, defend. He's putting up incredible steal and blocks numbers as well. I think he needs to just be more consistent with his jumper, especially if he, if there are moments where he's going to be settling with, with the ball constantly moving, you know, pick and pop. Can he be that guy for the Toronto Raptors? But I really do think the sky is the limit for him. Um, I think, again, I, I'm very big on online discourse. I, I think the, the rookie class that he's going that he was in, you know, we're going to be talking about that a decade from now in terms of how strong it is with the Evan Mobleys and, and the Kate Cunninghams and the Josh Giddies. I think Barnes, despite being the rookie of the year that year, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle because I think the expectations were a little too high for him too soon, which you know they should be. You're the rookie you're of the rookie, year. Yeah, you were yeah, you were yeah. designated as the best guy in your class, but can you? carry those expectations over and just start slowly but surely improving every single year. I think that's going to be the most important thing for him. And there's a reason this front office wasn't, you know, necessarily dangling his name out there for the Kevin Durant's and Damian Lillard's of the world. I think they are very high on Scotty Barnes. Now it's just taking those expectations, taking the ball and running with it. Um, I want to ask uh, how you feel about Masai Ujiri and, and just, how worried are you that maybe Siakam and OG leave as free agents this uh, at the end of the year? Oh, I'm terrified. I think it would be a horrible situation for this yeah. franchise if they both walked. Do I think it's going to happen? No. And again, there are different circumstances in terms of because I was I would always mention on Twitter, like the 2029 NBA championship team, like how much compensation did you get for a majority of those guys who either like most of which just like walked in free agency? And I know, you know, Kawhi Leonard, he, he wanted to be in L.A., Marc Gasol and Serge Ibaka, their careers were kind of like in the in the twilight of their yeah. careers. Kyle Lowry, at least you got something. You got Precious Achua and whatnot. But And now Fred Van Vliet left for big money to go to Houston, but the Raptors were never going to pay him that much over, over such few years. So I think that was kind of inevitable at that point. I, I may not be as high on the front office as I once was because I think maybe last year at the trade deadline, they should have pulled the trigger uh, on some trades. If they uh, I, had... I, I still remember being at the gym seeing they traded per, i was all tank like i was just like wemby wemby this yeah. draft class is sick let's do it and then they bought and i'm like what the actual yeah 
is and i'm still pissed about that <laughs> raptors fan i i still don't i uh just in looking at that draft class you look at the thompson twins you look at yeah. other guys and scoot of course um it just like if there was ever a year to tank, like this was the year. Like, I yeah, mean, and it wasn't, they didn't need to do anything, they just didn't need to, even if they didn't, <laughs> they would have still been terrible. Um, but you know, that, that you know, we'll, we'll see. But I, I, it sounds like, um, I mean, I don't really understand Masai talking about selfishness and, and the whole yeah, press conference kind of sounding like about Siakam, who I didn't think was the problem last year. Um, maybe behind the scenes, but uh, it, it sounded more like it was more Fred, Scotty, Gary. Like it, it I don't know. Um, I just, I don't know what they're doing. Um, it, it does seem as though they're, you know, they brought in Darko. That probably was a change that was needed. I'm not necessarily as, uh, you know, sad that Nick Nurse is gone. He's amazing, won a title. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, nothing, uh, you know, bad to say. I'm glad he got, he got us Jordy Fernandez for my own sake covering the <laughs> in Canada because uh, I think he had a big part in that. And um, uh, I'll just say that I, I, I very much know that it wasn't his choice not to play for Canada. Um, it mm-hmm. was, uh, and it was not Daryl Morey's decision either. Um, and, and a little birdie told me that so that I, I trust <laughs> a lot. So that's my sourcing. I, I don't report a lot, but uh, just overall, um, I, I, I get the Darko pick. He's looked good. But um, I just, what are you doing? Like, you either sign Siakam, OG, or they're going to walk for nothing. It just, you can't be good. And it doesn't make sense to to hold on forever. Um, and, uh, you know, they held on to DeMar and and Kyle for a long time. But those teams were good. Those teams were getting 58 yeah. wins every year. It's not, that makes more sense than a team that doesn't even make the playoffs or, um otherwise so it i i just um it seems like patience was their greatest strength beforehand and now it's their greatest weakness and i just don't know what they're doing but uh if siakam or og is uh you know um, either traded or signed by the trade deadline i am more than happy i just like just um, just chris imagine they lose both of them in free agency just um, just how like <laughs> does yeah anyways i, that's I think I look i that's think if, if og and i think og and anobi is far more likely um to leave i think i mean i think both guys genuinely like being with the toronto raptors but i think if the opportunity is there and the money is there even though the raptors can pay especially pascal you know more money over more years i don't think he's going to get that all nba which is difficult to achieve on a like a mediocre team which the raptors are expected to be but again, if one or both guys leave in free agency, I am hopeful that this extension will be settled with with Pascal. I think the longer they wait, I think it does give them a little bit more, you know, leeway um, with the Raptors front office. But again, it, it's been a tumultuous time with them. Like there was a period where they were untouchable, Masai and Bobby. Like you couldn't speak anything negative about them. But now we're starting to see some cracks in the foundation. I again the the optimist in me, Chris Wald, are positive that these kind types of deals will get settled. But if, if you know if push comes to shove and one or both leave, like we have to take a good hard look at this front office and start reevaluating, and and maybe their time has come, but not yet anyway. Can I just say that like as much as I love OG, like the rumor was three first round picks for him. Like now you don't know the protect yeah. 
and everything, but is OG worth <laughs> that? Like that seems like run with it. I, I don't know. Apparently. <laughs> like I and uh, you know, I love Bill Simmons and him and Ryan Rosillo always talk about how they always joke about how OG is the next like Jordan, by the way. Um <laughs> There is values talked about in the NBA and, you know, I, I really like him, but he doesn't, he can't really create for himself. He's not, he's an okay passer, not a yeah. great or good passer, great on ball defender, you know, all defense, but um, it just, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I am very skeptical of um, what's going on, but the vibes do seem better. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's been good. What do you, what do you make of maybe Gary Trent's role? Cause it seems as though, He's going to be off the bench and Dennis Schroeder will be starting. Just talk about that dynamic of, of maybe Schroeder now in Van Vliet's footsteps and, and uh, you know, um, Gary Trent off the bench, who was bad last year off the bench, but seems to be uh, decent so far and has accepted his role in, in preseason. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing is that Gary is like embracing this idea of being the sixth man. Like he's certainly talented enough to step into the starting lineup and be that number two, like the, the shooting, the starting shooting guard for the Toronto Raptors. But I think he's more needed for that second unit. I don't think scoring is going to be an, a, a problem with the starting lineup. Shooting might, because lest we, lest we forget, this team is going to probably have some uh, growing pains in terms of shooting the rock. But I like Gary in that reserve role. I think when it comes to situations like this, where a guy is clearly talented enough to be a starter, but you need him to be a reserve, you need them to kind of like channel into that mindset, like almost instantaneously. And I think Gary, even last year proved that like, Hey, I could be a bench guy. If I'm going to be a sixth man, I'm going to be the best damn sixth man I can be. I'm going to put myself in that conversation for some hardware. We've seen him, especially in the last game against Chicago. Like he was moving there. I think he had like four, four or five assists in the first yeah. half. He didn't have a game all last year where he had more than four assists and he had four in the, in, in the first half passes. alone. Yeah, like he he he's not much for moving the rock. But again, this is the new mindset, this new aura of the Toronto Raptors where don't hold on to the basketball too long. Don't get into isolation. Just keep moving the rock. Guess, get the best shot. And if it's not you taking the shot, it's not a problem as long as it's a clean look and it's going into the basket. So I personally like, again, like, just to answer your question, I do like Gary as the sixth man, but I do foresee circumstances where Darko may start adjusting the starting lineup. Maybe we see Scotty or OG come off the bench for a stretch just to give the Raptors more shooting in that starting lineup. What what player are you most excited to, you know, watch on this Raptors or, or someone that you think is like an interesting player to watch over the course of the course of this season? Well, Grady Dick, obviously I, I, I'm buying into the hype, man. And, we don't know because there's kind of like, you know, the, the way that Darko is talking, we don't know if he's actually going to be a rotation guy. I hope he is because, again, the Raptors, one of their biggest problems last year was the shooting. And the reason you used your draft pick on him is that Grady was a successful shooter. He's got the length. He's not just like a Jason Capono type where you stick him in the corner and that's all he's what really good for is. Yeah, keeping the defense honest. I just thought of white guys who shoot the basketball. Yeah. That's all they do. And I was like, Jason Capono, former yeah. three-point champion for the, the Toronto Raptors. But yeah, yeah I, I really do. Again, it's a vibe thing. I think Grady Dick being out there, like if you're if you're using a pick on him, like you need to develop this guy and, and have him prove that he's not going to be a liability defensively out there. Let him run in transition, get into like ample spots to shoot the rock. Hopefully he can be, you know, not horrifying on defense 
Um, uh, we've yeah. seen, you know, it's it's been it's been a small kind of window that we've seen him defensively, and it's nothing that's like blowing anyone's socks off. But I do hope that Darko, you know, gives Grady Dick some minutes here and there, maybe not all the time out of the gate. Because again, we're coming off an era of Nick Nurse where if it was a rookie or someone, if they missed a few shots in a row, he was getting bolted yeah. to the bench for the rest of the game. I hope that's not the case with Grady. Yeah, no, that's that's the one thing. And and definitely Darko is, has been known as a developmental coach. And um, you can kind of mm-hmm. see that in the way the players talk to him and, and really the license they have to, to make mistakes on the court. Um, and especially now that they've gone from never passing to the ball to passing the ball all the time that comes with turnovers and he's talking about kind of living with it obviously you want to limit it as best as you can but um, yeah. that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to see is uh, just a complete total shift as you mentioned on offense where this team will get will, will not only uh, force turnovers but uh, will have a lot of their own yeah um, <laughs> give and take yeah the turnover numbers are going to be gnarly but yeah hopefully we're wrong on that um the over under that i saw in in vegas and i'm not a huge betting guy but um is raptors 35 or 36 and a half would you take the over or under chris i'd take the oh i'd take the over i think that is a little bit low i think people are kind of sleeping on this team and again they're kind of going back into the past and looking at those Nick Nurse rosters and saying like, well, what's really going to change under Darko? But if you're paying attention in the preseason and you're paying attention to what Darko's saying to the media, like this offense is going to do a complete 180. And that was, we know they can defend. I don't think the Raptors defense is going to be an issue, especially with like a full season of Jakob Pertl in the middle. I think that's going to be massive for this team. It's just scoring and being efficient and getting better looks and, and shooting from distance with more efficiency. Like if the Raptors can do that i think you know hovering around the 500 mark again again 35 36 wins whatever it was i think is a tad low because like i mentioned earlier the east outside of boston and milwaukee i think it's there for the taking i'm not saying the raptors are going to finish third in the east but i don't see why they can't compete with the, the phillies and the clevelands and the new yorks of the east like get yourself out of that cellar in the conference and start making some noise i think the potential is there yeah, I, I think that's really reliant on Scotty Barnes taking a leap. Like, I, yes, which honestly, watching preseason again, I you know I always have to preface this, but it did feel as though there was a different, maybe not a giant leap, but a leap. Um, and like you know what Siakam is, he's like twenty five, seven and six or seven and five. You know, OG fifteen to eighteen points shoots the three pretty well um then what do you think of like the difference between having dennis schroeder compared to fred van vliet like what total opposites and also kind of similar in terms of their demeanor except uh dennis likes to start fights i don't know if fred does but uh yeah that's i I love the irony of like the big thing with with him and og and anobi like the suplex Uh, that happened that game and now all of a sudden they're teammates it's weird how the universe kind of works but i i just tweeted this out actually um i was like fred van vliet in my opinion is the better player than dennis schroeder but i think at the end of the season we are going to look back with a more positive look and say dennis schroeder was the better fit for what this team was trying to accomplish offensively rather than and i'm not to say like fred couldn't adapt to this new Darko style of basketball. But last year, and this is kind of why Raptors Twitter and fans turned on him. 
he was very shot hungry. Like he would just run. There, would, there was too many instances where he would run up the court and just shoot a three pointer in transition, whether contested or not. And it was those types of opportunities that went wayside because they never kind of manifested in anything positive. But with Dennis Schroeder, you know, I think he can be just as strong defensively. He cuts to the basket, which Fred wasn't really adapt oh to God. based on his size. No, yeah. I think Schroeder could be more physical, actually attacking the basket. And I think he is like he's a Darko guy. I think he is going to embrace this this offense. I think he knows his place in the in the rotation in the pecking order. He's like, my job is to bring the ball up the floor and put Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes and, and to a lesser extent OG and Gary, put them in the best situations to succeed. And I think he's going to be like Darko's eyes and ears on the court. And there's a reason why he's probably going to be a starter to begin the season and moving forward. Like I think he's just the perfect guy for this team at yeah. this very moment. I think if you weren't going to keep Van Vliet, he's a very good, like out of the options available, he's a pretty good backup one. Um, mm-hmm. And and what's going to be interesting is they've never really had a player of his stature that can drive to the rim and attack yeah. in athletics since Kyle, like <laughs> in the Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet era, obviously, other than Kyle Lowry using his butt to, to you know, move players in the paint, uh, they don't really have someone that can attack the paint at the point guard position. So it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic on a Raptors team. Cause I've never really, <laughs> I haven't <laughs> seen that in like a decade and a bit. So, um, uh, you know, and then there was Jose Calderon who you, you wouldn't say was uh, beating guys with athleticism. So um, no. that's a nice little wrinkle that I, I like. Um, okay. So I, I think we, is there anything about the Raptors that you want to touch on? I have some kind of fun NBA adjacent questions for you, but uh, is there anything else you want to touch on? Uh, again, just kind of like a PSA to Toronto Raptors fans, like just embrace the season for what it is. I'm going in with zero expectations, whether the team kind of bottoms out and starts selling at the trade deadline, which again, they should have done last year, but that's another story altogether. I, I just think kind of rally around this team right now. The vibes are strong. The preseason has given us some like positive outlooks moving forward. The season's about to get underway. Don't get too caught up in the standings. Get caught up in the development. If we start seeing strides from Scotty Barnes, I think that's the most important thing. And just enjoy the games, man. Like, I think even myself, I can get too caught up in, like, you know, how successful the team is and whatnot. Just it's basketball. Like, we're all blessed to watch an NBA team in Toronto, and that has been very successful in recent years. And if you get too down in the dumps, just go on YouTube and watch the 2019 uh, NBA oh, championship run. I do that on occasion. <laughs> oh, I had a I had a spell for, like, a year and a half, and then when the pandemic hit of just watching that for, like, I, I – I can recount every play of game seven, game six against <laughs> Milwaukee, game six against Golden State, all that. I know that I can even now, I haven't looked at it in a, a little while, but uh, I definitely understand what you mean by that, Chris. Um, yeah, I mean, just to add on that, I, I think um, they're going to be more fun. Like the vibes last year were so atrocious. There's that game against Milwaukee where no one scored for like six minutes on national oh. television. Bring right? that like, up. They're just not gonna be, you know, you know, they're not gonna be a great half court offense. That's okay. They weren't last year, but um, they're gonna be more exciting. I think you're gonna see more rotations, more young guys. It's more like a team, not on the come up per se, but a team that you can cheer for and root for and should be more fun. And if preseason has any even like minute translation to the NBA season, they might not win more games, but uh, you know, 
you'll be more excited to watch them than last year where you're like, Ugh. um, so Ugh. yeah. Terrible. <laughs> and then, you know, that play in game kind of summed it all up their whole season. So, um, I, Chris, uh, I have a fun question for you. So if you could, if Adam Silver resigned tomorrow because, um, of the resting rule, because Kawhi Leonard, uh, boycotts, <laughs> um, <laughs> of course, kidding. Uh, what rule would you change if you could be an NBA commissioner for a day? What would your first decree be? Ooh, just like a general rule about like the game, like a rule change. Yeah. Yeah. We don't oh. need to CBA unless you have something very specific. No, I, I, I don't have anything that specific. There's nothing that really bothers me. I would almost kind of like, I know they have that new rule about drawing charges and whatnot. And like, they're kind of trying to eliminate flopping. I like as a sick human being, and probably because I was such a Kyle Lowry guy, I would just leave that stuff alone, man. I love the charge in basketball. I think it's a, a perfectly sound defensive move, and there's a reason why a guy like Kyle Lowry, who's undersized but you know, kind of a, low, a big lower uh, half to him, can kind of hold his own and make big plays. He was drawing charges in like an All Star game for crying yeah. out loud. Like I think flopping is just going to be so incredibly hard to monitor. I think a lot of people are notorious for it. Like Mar- Marcus Smart, for example, I've I can pinpoint several instances where he was doing that and maybe Lowry as well like he was just like intentionally flopping for all we know but I think that's just a part of the game I think if you really try to start monitoring it and and trying to figure out like interpretation wise like what is a flop and what's not I think you're going to have far too many moments where you're pausing the action and it's going to be five six minutes looking at videos and I, I don't like that about basketball I don't like these reviews taking up so much time and I think if you can kind of eliminate it with with little changes like that and, and just ignore it altogether, like if you think it's a foul, call a foul. But other than that, just leave it alone. Do you, do you think charges are just for refs so that they feel vindicated? Like it's just a yeah. thing so that they can just... They don't do anything. No, <laughs> the refs like, need some sort of... Like, I feel like refs just love calling a charge. It's like their favorite, like especially high school refs, but maybe less so in the NBA unless you're Ed Malloy, who just I cannot stand... But uh, that's that's <laughs> that's a little inside, uh, you know. It's like in baseball when they're calling the third strike and they just get so overzealous. They just like embrace it, like strike out, like they just like pump their fists, like they're gonna knock somebody out in the first row. Like it's ridiculous. It's a, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I I took a lot of charges back in the day when I played a lot of hoops. Um, I was good at that, but uh, that's because I couldn't defend in any other way. So that was. My- <laughs> see we need it for guys like you alex (laughs) exactly the white guy that you know fits every stereotype on a basketball court um but uh i um (laughs) want to transition from that from one from me being uh you know a tall unathletic white guy to an athletic uh god in your no i meant Wemby. uh i was gonna say (laughs) but uh i mean Wemby. what's what's uh what do you make of him so far watching him he's just been so excited uh um, exciting to watch and i'm sure you saw the steal where he's at the three-point line and <laughs> steals just the ball stuck his arm out just kept I, going I, it was like the space jam thing oh uh but uh how excited are you to to watch him this year 
he's unbelievable. I, he couldn't have ended up in a better situation than the San Antonio Spurs. He's going to be under the tutelage of, like, in my opinion, the greatest head coach of all time and Greg Popovich. And San Antonio, like, they're just killing it with, like, these first overall picks, like, in the big man department. Uh, you get David Robinson. You get Tim Duncan. I'm, I'm doing a piece for Oddspedia right now. It's like a power rankings. And I was looking at Victor Wembanyama and kind of correlating that to the to Tim Duncan's first year. And the Spurs jumped, like, 36 wins in the standings just after like drafting Tim Duncan uh first overall. Now I don't think that's gonna happen. No, they, with Victor Wembanyama. That was <laughs> if, very, if it does, man. Yeah, the, the thing with that team and and I think it was 98 when they made that jump, but it was just they yeah. they, they sat out everyone. It was like what the Raptors should yeah. have it's what the yeah. Raptors should have done. What the if Raptors should have done, a, yeah. <laughs> the team got injured, they sat out everyone, got the number one overall pick, brought up back their, you know, David Robinson and other good players. And anyways, you see, I'm I'm gonna just save me from myself, Chris. I, I need to get off <laughs> need to get off this get a tank train. Um but Look, yeah, I but just to answer your question, like I'm I'm super excited. I think he's he's great for the league. He's coming in at a perfect time where we're starting to see a lot of these older stars kind of like winding down. Like, you know, despite how prolific he is at this age, like LeBron James is not going to be around forever. Whoa. Stephen Curry is not going to be around forever. Oh, what? Are you going to cryogenically freeze them? No, Alex, are you going to stick them in somewhere? than LeBron. Victor Wembanyama is already better than no, LeBron James. I just I love all the takes where he's a better prospect than LeBron. I mean, maybe I don't know. No, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I again, it's, it. it's I apples and oranges. It. I heard the same thing about Zion, although Zion has um his all like his other issues off the court. But um, that's literally the only thing like I worry about is 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 the hype too much for this guy. And I'm I'm it's awesome seeing like his highlights at this point, but. Can he stay healthy? Can he live up to these like gargantuan expectations? Because you you just mentioned Zion Williamson. Like, there's been guys who have entered the league that were supposed to be these these historically great figures. Like Ben Simmons was supposed to be the next LeBron oh, James. No, Zion yeah. Williamson was supposed to be the next face of the league. Even like a Greg Oden was supposed to be the next generational big man in basketball, and then injuries kind of cut his career short. Like, I hope Victor Wembanyama doesn't fall into that mold because he's such a unicorn, and he does things that no seven-foot-four guy should do. And he's so young. Like, he's not even, like, anywhere near as good as he's going to be. But again, we're going based off what he was doing in France and just a few preseason games. I really do, do hope for San Antonio's sake and the NBA's sake that this guy is, like, literally the next big thing. Yeah, no, I, I I would say I'm more worried of him becoming Greg Oden rather than Zion. I think he has yeah. everything you hear. He, one, he's in shape. He's never had a problem staying in shape. But Zion obviously has that problem. Um, but yeah, I worry about, you know, is he going to just like Chris Stapps Porzingis? Kind of not similar, similar-ish player, but, you know, tore his ACL and never was fully the same. Um, and I think they're pretty similar in height. So I'm kind of worried about something like that where he just mm-hmm. has leg injuries. And, and that, for me, is the only thing kind of stopping him because he he reads the game pretty well. He can pass. He can shoot. He can score. He's a menace defensively. Um, so uh, I'm really excited for it. I'm just praying, uh, you know, he doesn't get some catastrophic injury because he's so freaking tall. And uh yeah. But that, that's my one worry. I'm, I'm actually not too worried about his mentality um, too much. Yeah. And he's in a big market. Like, as, you know, San Antonio, he can chill, right? Like, he, he'll get a yeah. lot of press when he goes to L.A. or New York or wherever. But 
Um, he, he's not in. If he went to the Knicks or the Lakers, <laughs> then I'd be a bit worried. But uh, yeah, uh, what what do you make of the Dame trade? Um, just like I did not see that coming at all. Most people didn't. But um, what do you make of him being a Buck? And are they are they substantially better in your mind? The Bucks. Man, I thought he was going to be a Raptor. I thought what so Twitter too. was telling me. I thought I thought it was really going to happen, but then you know Toronto, they don't pull the trigger on anything. Um, and I don't know, like we're going based off hearsay and like what reporters are saying. Like who knows how close they actually were to getting him, but he he ended up in like a really strong situation in Milwaukee. Like I think this catapults them right to the head of the race for the NBA championship. Like getting a player the caliber of Damian Lillard for essentially you know. Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen and like some prospects and picks and what have you like Damian Lillard maybe not defensively but definitely on offense is a significant upgrade over Drew Holiday you keep Giannis you you still have Brooke Lopez in the middle you still have Chris Middleton like that foursome right there like I don't know like they're basically covered across the board you can slot in anybody as the fifth guy it, it, it reminds me of the joke that uh, Dan Lebertard was making with the heat back in the day where they have the heatles and it's like run the point night get a fan from the crowd and just give them a jersey and they can bring the ball up the floor and just yeah. hand it off to the, the three other guys well, like yeah. I think Milwaukee like with all due respect to Boston because they obviously made some moves this summer as well like don't disrespect the Denver Nuggets and the Lakers got deeper. I just think it's Milwaukee's to lose at this point. Really? I think Whoa. Lillard and Giannis complement each other Whoa. so well. Like he, and again, Chris Middleton, he's not, he, I mean, he was a number two guy essentially on a championship team when, when Milwaukee won it, but Damian Lillard just raises their ceiling significantly. And it was already high and people slept on them because they got trashed in the first round by the Miami heat who have gotten worse. In my opinion, like I think Milwaukee and Boston is inevitable, depending on how the standings play out in in the regular season. Like if one team kind of just takes their foot off the gas and seating wise, they can't match up in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it's going to be a battle between those two. But I would I would take Milwaukee in a heartbeat against Boston and anyone in the West at the moment. Can I can I push back a little bit on the? Of moment. course you can. It's your show, Alex. Do what oh, you want. <laughs> you know, it's always about the host, as you said. Um, no. Uh, I, just like when I think about players, I, I always find the defense aspect is is always a bit kind of pushed to the side. Like how much of an upgrade is Dame on Drew Holiday? Obviously, because Drew Holiday offensively is not even close to Dame. But, you know, Dame mm-hmm. is a pretty bad defensive player. Drew Holiday yeah. is a pretty amazing defensive player. Um, they don't really have anyone to go at guards defensively. Like how in like just in the playoff time, how are they going to be a team that gets enough stops? But also, obviously, they should be pretty good offensively. But just how do you make of that kind of difference and, and evaluate maybe the upgrade um, between the two players? I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, it's going to be a lot of switching. And, like, if for whatever reason the guy beats Dame off the dribble, which will happen because Dame isn't a spry chicken anymore, like, what's your backup plan? You have Chris Middleton, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, and then you have Brooke Lopez protecting the basket. Like, again, I think this team is designed to kind of help a guy like Dame Lillard if he doesn't have it defensively, which we know he's not going to. But for every basket that Dame gives up, he's going to give you three back. 
on the other end because that's how strong he is. There's a reason why so many teams were vying for this guy's services and Milwaukee coming out of you know obscurity in this whole trade discussion because no one thought they were in contention at all to ultimately get him. Again, is there a better one-two punch in basketball right now than Lillard and Intentacumpo? And this is very early to say that. I don't think there is. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of want to say Jokic and Murray. Yeah, there's a part of me that just is like, Jokic is better than Giannis, which maybe is a hot take, but I feel that. And the, it's the, not. A, it's not like wild to say that. I mean, no, no. It's. I mean, Jokic hasn't won any MVP. Oh wait, uh, he has won two MVPs. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I just, I think Jamal Murray as an overall basketball player is, is not too far away from Dame, but yeah, I think that's the only one that makes a lot of sense to me. Like outside of those two, I'm not a big Boston believer. Um, I I look at, uh, I look at LA like LeBron five years ago and AD now maybe, but, um, you know, as good as LeBron is, he's not a first team all NBA type player. Right. And the Lakers didn't address the Jokic situation. Like Jokic torched them for four games, and they didn't bring in anyone over the summer because AD held his own oh. to a point, but Christian, not enough Christian, to win a game. Christian Wood would tell you that that they have a three-headed monster now. Yeah, I'm the better CW, Alex. Christian Wood, there, get there on my. Go. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. No. Uh yeah. No, you're you're exactly right on that. I I don't really know what the solution is, but uh, for Jokic, but um. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, it, AD, anyways, we're going on a different topic, uh, but uh, <laughs> you are kind of all in on the Dame trade. That's kind of where we've, we've landed. So very uh, much so uh, I want to go from someone who, from you being all in to someone that's completely out and that's James Harden in Philly. What <laughs> do you make of that situation? How awesome is it that he's not with Philly and reportedly I, I saw maybe this change, but he's in Houston, which is just like poetic. Like the, <laughs> the strip club never left him, did it? Uh, he is forever for the. He never runs away from the grind. He's just grinding. Um, sorry, that just, just too easy. Um, but, uh, what do you make of that situation, Chris? It, it's it's too much of a soap soap opera for my liking. Although the cynic in me, which is the worst, on not all Sixers fans, but most Sixers fans, because I remember that first round series with Toronto. And a lot of people, including myself, had some questionable tweets when Joel Embiid got, you know, hit in the face or elbowed in the face, whatever, by Siakam. And it it seemed like everyone was wishing physical harm on Joel Embiid, which was not the case. And I reiterated that very much so. But my DMs, my mentions, man, I was ready to leave Twitter forever because it was getting brutal. And now that Philadelphia still hasn't gotten out of the second round with Joel Embiid, who I think, again, is like an all-time center, a future Hall of Famer, like one of the best players in basketball. But the expectations are that this duo of Embiid and Harden is going to get you over to that hump. And now Harden doesn't even want to be there. He's bolted back to Houston. He's basically flat out refusing to come to practices and what have you. And once the regular season starts, it's going to get very interesting in terms of how that all kind of works out. But Man, there's, again, the sick person in me, Alex. I'm loving every minute of it because it's Philadelphia. But in, from a basketball standpoint, you got to feel sick to your stomach for Joel Embiid. Like, this guy has given this franchise everything. And there's a reason why you're seeing all these sports talk shows and Twitter takes being like, man, when is Embiid going to ask out? Because it could actually happen at this rate. Yeah, it does seem like it's on the horizon. Um, 
man, James Harden has had what forcing his way out of three different teams. <laughs> um, yeah, he's gonna be a you know uh, a f- like first ballot Hall of Famer, but man, oh man, um, I think his legacy will be much worse than his stats will will maybe indicate. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. Um, but uh, I, I do feel for Joel Embiid, but just play well in the playoffs, please. Like, I yeah. I know you're hurt all the time, but um, I always think about what Bill Simmons always says and or others too, but just like in the playoffs, the best players elevate, and he's never done that, right? And so... Um, that sure final game against Boston, like the stat line that Embiid presented and what Jason Tatum presented, like there's levels. Jason this. Tatum is not the, you know, a playoff consistency kind of no. barometer. <laughs> he is all over the place. So um, even Jason Tatum's kind of been clutch at the, you know, big moments. But um, yeah, just such a weird career for both of those guys, right? Like with Ben Simmons leaving um, and just... Yeah, I, I do not need to see another Ben Simmons workout take or him talking to the media. Oh, it. dude, don't get me started, man. All these like NBA central accounts that like, have like 600,000 followers. And they're like, man, Ben Simmons looks great this offseason. Look at him hit consecutive free throws like with no pressure on him whatsoever. I'm like, dude, I don't know what his PR team is doing on Twitter, but they are reaching out to everyone and just sending like 30-second snippets of this guy. And I'm yeah. so over it. Like, I, I wish him well. I really hope he does kind of like have a resurgence in his yeah. career because he's dealt with so many injuries and, you know, with his lack of shooting and his lack, lack of forcefulness on offense, like he just kind of like shies away from the moment. I hope he can find a second coming, but... I'm so over it. I almost have to like. It makes it so hard. It makes it so hard for uh, for anyone to like like him. Like I kind of feel bad for him, and like even with mental health stuff, I take that super serious. But then you go Mm -hmm. to like Paris and London while you're, you know, I, I, well, you're technically getting paid, and then you want to. Anyways, we're going (laughs) down a rabbit hole. We don't need to go down. Um, okay. Do you have a, do you have a team this year that you think might be a sneaky surprise? Doesn't have to be a contender, but just a team that you're maybe like overly hyped about potentially compared to maybe others, uh, the consensus. It's probably consensus at this point, because this is like everyone's favorite sleeper team. I am all in on Oklahoma city. Like they have just accumulated so many damn good young players and they have draft picks pouring out of their nose at this point like they have so many resources at at their disposal and it sucks because i wanted them to tank and bottom out so a guy like shea gilgis alexander oh baby become available for the toronto raptors who would also then not trade for him because that's what the raptors don't do is they don't trade for anybody i I will do it i know he would want to sign in toronto i mean i don't have any specific info but i would find it very hard to imagine that he would not want to uh you know if he was traded to the i mean that's not that was talked about like two years ago but not not yeah not since but yeah and, no, and I, look at it this way too like it's not just shay like they have so much like josh giddy for example and here's your hot take chet holmgren is going to win rookie of the year for the oklahoma whoa. city thunder i don't think oh, it's going to get be to or scoot okay i i you know he's been really good in preseason and um you know with Wemby I think they're they're gonna be so cautious with him he's not gonna play as many games mm-hmm. with Pat, like okay so he's gonna be wanting to get close to 50 wins and if he's like let's say OKC gets it and it's him and uh Shea leading the way 
I, I can definitely see it. Kind of like Scotty Barnes, right? Like the reason why he won yeah. in a lot of ways was his team was just better than Cleveland and Evan Mobley at the end of that year, right? So, um, like I, if he's I, a big part I'm, of I'm, I totally agree. I'm on the I'm on the OKC bandwagon. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, shout out to their uh, uh, Twitter accounts that were all over me when I was in Jakarta because I was <laughs> all the Shea stuff. So, uh, I le- they're good. They're good fans. Honestly, they're very. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not irrational Philadelphia 76 er uh, fans by the sounds of him. Right. Uh, and shout out to Nick's Twitter, which is just the best um, for all my RJ Barrett <laughs> stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, what it, what's it called? The the one where they what's it? Uh, it's not Nick's talk. It's um the the one where they interview the fans after a game every year. Yeah, they go crazy in New York. I, oh, what's they're, they're wild. That's yeah. what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, shout out to them. Um, who? Okay, so uh, I'm gonna d- go through some quick, kind of tough questions. Sure. Um, the first one is, who is the best player in the NBA? In the world, I guess, too. Right now, it's Nikola Jokic. Okay, what's the right now? What, what? Let's go into that. What do you mean by that? He's the he's he's the reigning NBA champion. I think if there is any space between who I think is like the first, second, and third best player in the world, I think it's like razor thin at this point. Because I would also put like a Giannis and Tentacubo in that conversation. I would also put a Luka Doncic in that conversation. Like there's a handful of other guys who you could also have like have a viable claim to it. But right now, I can't say without a shadow of a doubt that anyone at this moment is better than Nikola Jokic. I am so in on that. Like, I don't think it's, I think there's separation. That's what I would say. And a lot of people would maybe push back between him and Giannis probably would be the most likely person people come up with. I I just think he's such a good passer. He makes your team so smart. He's such a good teammate. Sure, his defense isn't great, but he's not Trey Young. Like, he's not a complete sieve defensively. I just think he's such he's just impossible to guard in like the weirdest way. Like him and Giannis are so polar opposites in their games, but I just think passing and being so good at that is just the most important skill in a lot of ways. Uh, if you can tie it with shooting everything else. So, uh, and efficiency. So I'm going to, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, okay. This, this one's really bold and it might get you in trouble, but uh, I always find it funny. If, if next summer, uh siakam is a free agent you know the raptors have all this cap space and uh the you know the dallas mavericks are imploding and there's an offer for kyrie irving and it's it's nothing what what would you do anything would you take kyrie irving on your team at any point for any reason No. no short answer is no i just think it's not disputing his talent he's one of the best guards in basketball but I think there's a lot of baggage there and I don't trust. It's kind of like the James Harden situation. Like when the going gets tough, is he going to be the first one to bolt? And I don't think he does it as much as Harden does, but I think there's always going to be that hesitancy there. Yeah. Like I don't think his talent overcomes the baggage that he brings and going from a Pascal Siakam who no one is questioning like his heart and, and love for the game and like his devotion to the city. Like if he does leave, I think it's just other circumstances behind it with Kyrie Irving. I would just be like on pins and needles all the time. I don't think it's worth it at that point. Well, uh, you, you, you and me both, man. Uh, I <laughs> completely agree. I am so out. Um, 
you know, I'm sure if he, if I had any clout and he saw this, he'd say peace and love and then say something <laughs> mean or something. But uh, hey, that's peace emojis, man. I'm just here to play ball, guys. <laughs> exactly. And put crazy videos on the internet. Um, uh, okay. So, um, you know, I've, I'm firm on this. I have friends of mine that are, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't trust their basketball opinion because of this uh, debate. It's maybe the biggest debate in basketball. MJ or LeBron? Michael Jordan. And I will stand by that for the rest of my life. And that's not to say, I, I used to be so stubborn that if anyone ever said it was LeBron James, I'd be like, you're absolutely wrong. And here's why. Now, it, it's because it's different generations too. Like I, when I started watching basketball, like my mom for Christmas got me like this, like three VHS box set of like Michael Jordan IMAX movies where it was like chronicling like his first three years as like the champion like that first three peat that they had and then the following with the series with the jazz and whatnot like he was such like and, and you know twitter didn't exist back then now we see everything that lebron james does if he makes one comment about anything like literally every sports network out there is going to blow it out of proportion michael jordan was like this mysterious figure where you didn't really know what he was thinking or how he was feeling and i i loved that about him and he just went out there and played basketball. Sure, he had his controversies. He had the gambling issues and what have you. But at the yeah. same time, he was such like this bigger than life type player that even I don't even think LeBron has been able to touch, which is kind of crazy to say. But Michael Jordan had this aura to him. And he was like the biggest thing in professional sports for pretty much like a majority of his career. And he never lost in the NBA finals. And LeBron can't say that either. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, for me, it's more, and it might be like, I, I hear Zach Lowe, who I just love, but talk about like the peak versus career. Right. And like, if you t say who had the best career, well, LeBron played longer, more finals, obviously didn't win more uh, in a way, but just kind of his totality is, is in a way like his numbers and everything. But the peak Michael Jordan is always, in my opinion, is always going to be better than LeBron. I don't think it's particularly close um although you know one can always argue but um yeah i'm i'm always an mj guy um just because i i, I think when you have 2011 on your mark uh for lebron and, and even 2010 for people that really know um just, <laughs> just people don't realize like mj never screwed up in the biggest moments and lebron did and it's like we're we're picking you know, perfect between almost perfect. And it's, I just, it's like, there's un, no blemishes versus a, like one blemish or two blemishes. Yeah. You have to pick. It's like, well, he's just, but again, if you, if you say it's LeBron, like I'm not going to dispute that. Like he's the closest. Well, I'm going to dispute it. I'm going to dispute it. I'm like, but I know you Alex. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, buddy, when were you born? Are you my age? Are you young? Did you watch Michael Jordan? Did you even watch the last dance? Man, I'm an old <laughs> fart, man. I dress like I'm 21, but I'm 35 and proud of it. Yeah. Well, I'm getting there. So I'm 20 <laughs> on my way to 35. So I, I have the gray hairs to account for it. Uh, okay. Um, now from one kind of discussion uh, on who is better. Uh, now I'm going to do a little Canada basketball. Nash or Shea Gildas-Alexander? Who is better for Canada? Oh, I don't want to have the recency bias. Like winning the bronze medal 
for like at the FIBA World Cup is such a like a huge moment for like the program and just Canada basketball in general. But I still think at this time, like when you the first, if you ask like the common basketball fan, like when you say the words Canada basketball, nine out of ten people are gonna say Steve Nash. And I think that's still kind of like a hurdle that Shea has to get over. Like he was great in FIBA. But like so was Dylan Brooks, and so was like a few other guys. Like, and, and if when they get to the Olympics, like if there's a Jamal Murray or Andrew Wiggins or like a few other guys who may enter the fray, I think Shea Gilgis Alexander is the best Canadian basketball player on the planet right now. I think hands down. But Steve Nash is just like he was Canada basketball for so long, and I think Shea, with more time and w- more achievements for the program, like he will get there. But Nash right now is number one. I think the Olympics will be a very easy determinant. Yes. Because if Canada wins a medal, I find that debate probably over. Yeah. Presuming uh, SGA is playing, um, mostly just because he's healthy. Um, I, I, he's going to be there if uh, he's healthy. But um, yeah, I, 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 I actually lean Shea, but I also think it's because Nash was in 2000 and not 2004. Like it, it's just, I'm not saying. Nash SGA is better than prime Nash right now. I just think for mm-hmm. Canada, but it's splitting hairs. Like, because as you yeah. know, uh, you know, Nash had maybe one NBA player with him and, and uh, McCullough who was, you know, I don't know. D- Dwight Powell's probably better than him already. Yeah. Um, God bless Todd McCullough. Yeah. So it's just, it's just, it's, it's hard. It's hard because he led them by himself really well. Shea, as good as he was um but you know at the same time you could argue that uh you know the the global landscape of basketball is much tougher than it was in 2000 right in, in 1999 like just the level of talent all over the world so it's it's a tough discussion i think it's closer than uh the mj lebron one so uh, i i appreciate yes it and uh, i agree with you um do you have a uh, nba prediction for this year Who's gonna win? Who's um, making the finals? You said Bucks, uh, and and why? Or I would it- say the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I mean, part of me because I like this like continuing trend of like no one is repeating. Like it's been five new NBA champions over the last five years, and it part of me would say, well, Milwaukee kind of breaks that streak because obviously they won recently, and who would qualify that could really continue that trend? And it would probably be the Boston Celtics. But mm-hmm. I don't like Boston in a seven-game series against Milwaukee. I just don't think they match up well. I think Boston's uh, Boston can't match up size-wise, and I think they did get hurt depth losing Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon this offseason. You know, I know they got Drew obviously, but and Porzingis, but seven-game series, I'm taking Milwaukee in a heartbeat. But so right now, I'm saying the Milwaukee Bucks are probably my favorites. I think it's going to be them in Denver in the NBA Finals. And I would take, again, my far too early prediction, I would say Milwaukee in six over Denver. Okay, well, I I, I definitely, uh, you know, I'm going to go Denver. Um, I, I just, I just, if Jokic is healthy, Murray will have a full year. They're probably going to be a really good regular seat. I, I just, uh, until someone beats Denver, um, I'm going to go with uh, the Denver Nuggets over the Milwaukee Bucks. And it's it's silly to say too because like they're not two big names, but I think losing Jeff Green and Bruce Brown this offseason is going to hurt them. No, definitely. Um, I just I don't love the Milwaukee Bucks' depth either. Um, so it's kind of like who do you like more, Jokic, yeah, Murray, and then they have Porter, Middleton. I don't know. He's been injured um, and and hasn't looked himself the past couple of years. 
Um, so it, it's going to be a tough one, uh, but I, I, I'm going to just ref- same finals. Just I have Denver uh, sneaking it in uh, seven games. So there you go. Um, okay. So I, I don't know what this game is called because, but it's your game. And it's the one we did on uh, when I was on your show. And I wanted to steal it. I'm only stealing it because I have you on. Um, so just the name of the game is I, I'm going to you have to rank these five players in order. And you don't know uh, the order in which, um, uh, you know, you don't know the five players. I'm just going to say a name and you're going to rank them one to five. And then we'll see what the ranking is at the end. Uh, are you ready, Chris? Are you ready How for the turntables? Oh, uh, first of all, this is not my idea. This is a TikTok trend, so but I will okay. happily take credit for it. But yeah, I'm excited, man. This is this is weird being on the receiving end of this. But lead the way, Alex. Uh, I, what are I the think names I've made it really, really tough in a good way. So, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with someone that's blocked you to begin with, and that is Scotty Barnes. <sighs> also, for the record, are these all Toronto Raptors? Or are they just like no, no, any NBA? No, no, they're 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 all NBA players. All, all active like you're not going to say like michael jordan and I'm no like, they're all active nba players all yeah. active okay scotty barnes um again I don't, he blocked me i don't care everyone blocks me they all block me at some point serge Ibaka blocked me he set oh, the yeah. trend for toronto raptors to block me there you go. i think i proposed a trade for him once and he i think that was the only negative thing i said um for scotty barnes i'm going to play it safe i'm going to put him at number three because i think okay. you're going to put some bigger names out there and if scotty barnes becomes an all-star this year this ranking will hold up so scotty at three okay uh the next one is devin booker uh I really don't like Devin Booker. I he's and this isn't like I, I personally hate Devin Booker. Like I just don't enjoy I, watching him play basketball. I, I I hear that he's like better than Shea and better than Jason Tatum. And I'm like, no, maybe than no. Tatum. I don't think he's better than Shea. I uh, maybe that's just me, but uh uh okay. So I had Scotty at three. Like Booker's a better player than Barnes, so I'm gonna put Booker at four. Because okay. I think you're going to throw some like really good names at me, and like people will understand my Scotty ranking because of what I tweet about. But Booker yeah. at four, uh, Jason Tatum. Damn. All right, uh, Jason. Are you just like throwing names out there that either I don't like or have flocked? Oh, I, I didn't know. I did not know. <laughs> I like Tatum. Like I'll get it wrong. All right, so I'll put Jason Tatum at number two. Um super talented guy like one of the best forwards like he's had some issues in the postseason but i i loved his performance in that closing game against philadelphia and it made me really happy so jason tatum even though he's a boston boston guy celtics guy number two uh sga i can't put him at number five but now i'm afraid who you're gonna put yeah the last guy you know what I will give you a little warning that you need to be a bit worried about your order. That's that's all I'll say. I'll give you a little. I, I think I screwed you with Scotty at the start. You screwed me with Scotty. You threw me a loop. I should have put Scotty just out of the principle of that block. I should have put him at five. But you know what? I, if I had a Canadian flag, I'd be waving it proudly. Thank you for the bronze medal, good sir. Number one. Shea Gilgis Alexander. And you know okay. what? It's warranted. I think he's one of the best guards in basketball. He's a top 10 player. This is an outlandish, but now I'm scared to death about who the last guy is. Uh <laughs> it is Damian Lillard. I don't hate this ranking, actually. <laughs> really? Damian Lillard at five. I don't hate it. 
Okay. Look, Scotty, in terms of talent, Scotty's clearly the worst of the bunch, and that's not the that's not a horrible thing to say. He is. Damian Lillard is five. I don't I don't hate this list. So I Lillard is five, yeah. Booker is yeah. four. Yeah. Yeah. Barnes at three, Tatum two, SGA one. I like this list. I will go down with the ship with this list. I'm feeling okay. this list on. I thought I caught you, but I think you you made the right decision at SGA at one, and that kind yes. of the way out. I, I think I, pry, I pushed I pushed you a little bit with Barnes at uh, at number one, like to start off with. I thought that's where I'd, I'd trick you, but it, it turned out pretty good. You you read the room. So uh, you can't pull the wool over my eyes, Alex. I've played this game before. I've watched this game on TikTok. SGA number one, baby. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, um, I love the ranking. So we we had uh, SGA one, Tatum two, uh, Barnes three, your your nemesis, Devin Booker four, and Damian Lillard five. I actually kind of... Perfectly fine. If you did like trade... Uh, rankings. I could kind of see a way where it's like this, almost. Maybe not Tatum, but um, it uh, in Booker, but it's it's close. It's close. Um, right. okay. So Chris, uh, I'm gonna give you the floor and the uh, and just first sell me on WWE as someone that isn't involved in this. I know you love it. I watched Aftermath as a kid on the score because there was nothing else on. Um, just why should people care about WWE? You know what the hot take is? You shouldn't care about WWE. You should care about the other guys in AEW, all elite wrestling. That is where my passion for professional wrestling continues. I don't blame anybody who still watches, you know, the Vince McMahon, Triple H-led WWE. That's fine. I grew up with it. I just kind of grew out of it. I became more obsessed with the actual in-ring psychology and physicality of wrestling and that's why when AEW came around, like my wife can attest to this, every Wednesday I'm glued to my TV, eight o'clock, dynamite on uh, TSN two, three, four, five, fifty two, whatever it's on. I I love it about that. And my mom and my wife are like, why do you why do you still watch this? Like you know, it's it's fake, it's rehearsed. I'm like, I don't care. I took my wife. There was an AEW show at Scotiabank Arena. It was called Forbidden Door 2, where they had wrestlers from Japan come over. And my wife sat there with me for four and a half hours and loved every damn second of it. And I'm like, now you can see why I'm so obsessed with this product. It's fascinating. It's entertaining. And I never miss an episode. So to all the haters out there that think wrestling is a horrible thing, you know what? There's a lot worse crap on tv my mom watches the big bang theory i think that's a load of garbage i think there's a lot of sitcoms out there some you know horrifying television you know i watch a lot of gordon ramsay stuff myself that's not the best tv either but i'm just like enthralled all the time it's the same as professional wrestling give it a chance and you won't be wrong that's what they said about reality tv um (laughs) i'm kidding uh yeah i know i got you there uh i i you know you, you know what you've sold me on the in-house experience so uh i will mm-hmm. i will check that out i've seen it on tv before um i just i think the fake part i need that like what can happen but this matters almost but you know at the same time if it matters to people then it matters right like it doesn't like sports it only matters because people make it matter so uh even if it's uh maybe a bit more scripted uh <laughs> Unless, unless you think you know, NFL scripted, like uh, I think they had an ad basically saying that recently that kind of played on that the NFL is always scripted, which I thought was 
Very interesting. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, that commercial. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah, exactly. right. You know what? The NBA is scripted, too. We all knew when Bignano well, was I, going to San Antonio. As a dumb 19-year-old, I always said the NBA versus Canada, and then they won the championship, and I can't say that anymore. So it's it's given me perspective, right? There you, you know go. what I'm talking about, Alex. Yeah, yeah. It's Ed Malloy is in my dreams. Um, okay. Uh Chris, thanks so much for doing this. This was a blast. Uh, and um, anything you want to plug for your show for Raptors Republic? Um, Raptors Republic, I maybe I should be doing that too, but just uh kind of uh you know, the floor is yours. Well, again, thank you so much for having me, Alex. Again, I, I loved coming on your show. You were a great guest on the Walder Sportscast, which if you're not listening to my show, it's back on a more regular basis. I know I was on a hiatus over the summer. I've been on a few, but life catches up with me. I'm a 35-year-old old fart, but I'm trying to podcast more. So uh, subscribe to the Walder Sportscast on Apple, you know, Spotify, wherever you download your shows. Uh, I'm currently writing for a website called Oddspedia, so I'm going to be doing a lot of betting pieces this year. And like you mentioned, Raptors Republic has just, has been gracious enough to bring me aboard to be a, a small part of their team. I will be contributing pieces every so often to the website, so please, um, you know, subscribe for the content. I know there's a paywall now, but it's definitely worth it. You're you're, subs- you're supporting a number of, of fantastic writers and podcasters, and you should all be checking out Raptors Republic on the regular. And again, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports if you're looking for some Toronto Raptors and the occasional professional wrestling content. Uh, I'm happy to talk some sports with you. So again, Alex, thank you so much. This was this was a really good time. Well, uh, have uh, you know, uh, I'd I'd love to uh, be on your show again. It was a blast, one of the most fun I've had on the show before, uh, and and I think for a long time. And uh, everyone should should check out your your podcast, your stuff at Raptors Republic, and uh, follow you on Twitter because you are hilarious. So um, I really appreciate you taking the time and doing this. This was a lot of fun and. Uh, have a good uh, basketball year and uh, good luck with the podcast and Raptors Republic where we will be doing uh, written pieces together all the, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time and doing this and, and thanks so much, Chris.